You're listening to SaaS Acquisition Stories, a podcast featuring the stories from both startup founders and buyers who have successfully gone through an acquisition process using MicroAcquire, the number one startup acquisition marketplace in the world. To date, MicroAcquire has helped hundreds of startups get acquired and has facilitated hundreds of millions in closed deal volume. Here's your host, Andrew Gazdecki. All right. I am here with Grace McBride, who recently had a startup microcard. Grace, how are you doing today? Doing great. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having me on. Yeah, my pleasure. So uh, for those that don't know you or your background, um, do you want to maybe give a quick intro of yourself and um, maybe add in um, trip kicks as well? Yeah, of course. Um, so just some quick background about me. I mean, I uh, started out in college kind of grabbing little jobs here and there. And I stumbled into a group of other college students selling luxury travel to high net worth individuals, thought it was really interesting. And I kind of worked at an entrepreneurial environment all through college. Uh, It was an awesome experience, but I really decided I wanted to do it on my own. So when I graduated, I started TripKit, which was essentially an assistant service for travel advisors, which if you think about travel advisors today, everyone thinks of like Liberty Travel or, you know, Expedia. And I would say those absolutely are true and absolutely fair assumptions to think about. But when it comes to luxury travel, there's actually a really niche industry out there of assistants and travel advisors out there. So we wanted to cater to that and uh, kind of found a niche there. Nice. I was looking at uh, the TripKit website before the podcast and it, it looks slick. Did you, <laughs> so so you would help high net worth individuals kind of plan trips out? Is that kind of? Yeah, we actually didn't end up being the ones to plan the trips. We were actually selling B2B to those travel advisors themselves. So we Ooh. would help those travel advisors with any of the work that they needed, primarily focusing on the itineraries. So it was a service business. We hired VAs to basically help do that work. And they were, the travel advisors were selling trips to those high net worth individuals. Every crazy over the top trip you think you can imagine. Um, we were then putting all the details into a beautiful itinerary to then send to them. Um, that, and any sort of like backend admin things. Else they that's awesome. I'm just, <laughs> Very I, the, re- <laughs> the reason I, I asked the, the high net worth, I'm just wondering if there's any like cool celebrities or like. Of course, all day long. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. CEOs, celebrities, it was full plethora of them. And that's why we had to be really careful in the beginning to, you know, make sure that we kept privacy. I I won't ask you like names Mm -hmm. or anything, but was there any uh, customers that you had or or clients where you were like, oh my gosh, like I'm a fan or anything like that? Way too many. Way too many. I can't, yeah, I can't say exactly who, but I'll say we had a ton of professional athletes, um, a ton of like, not like, big bank CEOs or anything like that, but like notable company CEOs, uh, actors, actresses, you name it. We saw a lot of them. Got to meet some in person even. Um, that was more when I was actually planning travel, but yeah, it was pretty epic. <laughs> Man, I've only, I've only met like three celebrities in my lifetime. Um, so I, I envy you. That's a, that's a nice perk of, of, of a startup, I guess. Yeah, um, benefit. I mean, I would say for all of them, very, very normal people, which was kind of a nice surprise. You're just planning someone's trip. They want to go on a trip with their family. And it just happens to be a really, really, really cool trip. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm envious of the trips they probably took. Um, yeah. So tell me about your uh, experience on MicroQuire. You list um, TripKit on MicroQuire. Um, walk me through just kind of how that went. Yeah, I think in the beginning, we kind of flirted with the idea of selling TripKit. We 
were working on another project at the time because we were just excited about a bunch of different things at once um, and knew that we built a really strong project. So we had actually been introduced by someone else who'd been micro-acquired and they had mm-hmm. sold their uh, SaaS kind of service business had done really well and they were really excited about it. It was another student of uh, another student at Notre Dame while I was getting my MBA um, and he kind of told me about it. And it's like, oh, I haven't heard about this. Let me let me take a look and got introduced to the website. And pretty shortly after got signed up and started poking around uh, pretty shortly after. We then found um, that you could, you know, work with brokers and things like that. So we actually collaborated with a broker on the site to kind of uh, get our profile to look really good and make sure that we had all the right numbers and things like that, because I really didn't know what a buyer would be looking for. Um, Now I think you've released some tools actually that helps a lot of that. So I, I think I missed out on some of those newer tools like your um, LOI tool and everything like that. But um, yeah, we got pretty much posted and sold within a couple months pretty quickly after. That's so awesome to hear. And yeah, yeah, we got got some more fun tools um, coming soon. I know, I just missed the window. We'll have to get the next one up there soon. (laughs) Well, hey, you got got acquired, so that's all that matters. Um, (laughs) Exactly. So tell me about, um, so how many buyers reached out? Oh oh my gosh. Um, So we had hundreds. Uh, reach out. We had to Whoa. sift through. Yeah, we had a lot. I think maybe because luxury travel got people really excited. <laughs> yeah. um, we had been contacted by well over a hundred. We didn't get to meet with everyone by any means. We kind of sifted through. That would um, take like weeks. Oh my gosh, no, we couldn't do it. Um, so we had had the broker actually help us sift through some of the inquiries, but we ended up meeting with probably well over 30 or 40 people. Nice. How did you, okay. So yeah, that's a good, good amount of buyers. How did you land yeah. on the um, buyer that ended up uh, acquiring the company? What did they do that maybe appealed to you? Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe the purchase price, maybe they were, polite. What, what, what about them stood out? Um, kind of made you feel like that would be the person to, to sell the company to? Yeah, I think we had kind of one really clear goal and that we wanted to sell to someone that had the same values as us and same ethos and had the same kind of goal to grow this company. And we found a lot of really great buyers that were looking to maybe acquire it into their current company or uh, scale it in a different way. And those are all very valid reasons to buy our company. Um, but we just felt like we were servicing a very, uh, very niche industry that really relied on our company. So we wanted to make sure that we could still service them with whoever took it over. So we met. Yeah. That's awesome. So you sold essentially to someone and that's a great way for buyers to, to stand out as well as sometimes it's not just the price. It, you know, you, I could tell you got some passion for travel (laughs) and you know, you don't want to just sell to someone who's going to, you know, just destroy or ruin the reputation of the business so that's that's something buyers i think um can really leverage if they have experience in that industry or just kind of outlining that they're going to keep your vision intact and um so that's awesome um i guess you know moving into maybe arguably maybe the not so fun parts um <laughs> how did uh how did how did um due diligence go for you um, how did you handle that? Um, yeah, uh, definitely less fun to have to go into that for sure. <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't too bad. And I'll only say that because um, again, I feel like we were prepared by the time we had put everything onto microacquired. It kind of forced us to get everything, like get all of our ducks in a row, if that makes sense. That yes, uh, you know. Yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I was just gonna say that's literally the smartest thing you can do when selling a <laughs> yeah. business is just be prepared. 
Um, because yeah. when you get to due diligence, if the buyer has everything to um, already go through, like a deal or a, excuse me, data room, it just makes the whole process so much faster. So that was kudos, yeah. kudos to you on that. It also made us, uh, this may sound uh, like an obvious thing, but for a small business owner, it's not so obvious until you're really in it. We really were still doing things here and there that are not sellable. So we were saying yes to projects here and there that maybe weren't something that the next buyer would be willing to do. And we finally, when we got serious about selling, we had to really hone in on exactly what we were selling to the buyer make sure that we weren't saying yes to ancillary projects, make sure everyone was paying our subscription price and not getting any crazy discounts anymore. And we really had to like shed some of the kind of nonsense that was going on um, that we were letting happen over the last three years. And it really, really, really uh, made the business take a step up. We actually ended up dramatically increasing our revenue just by getting ready to sell. So that's my biggest lesson from the whole process, um, kind of setting in those systems and making sure everything's up to snuff actually really benefited us uh, from a revenue standpoint as well. That's awesome. They can kind of do diligence in a way can kind of make you look at your business from like a third party perspective. Like, yeah, we shouldn't be doing like 90% discounts or like, yeah, that service isn't profitable. Like there's a number of of different things that you just, as a founder, you just kind of will take on just to keep momentum in the business. And, you know, it's always hard to say no to a customer. Um, So that's awesome. So basically preparing to sell your business helped you grow your business. Did I get that right? Helped me grow my business, helped us sell it, but also in the next company is helping us set it up the right way. I definitely wish we set the business up from the beginning as if we were preparing to sell it. Even if we weren't, it's a mentality that I wish we had had the whole way through because it really does benefit you when you're kind of, like you said, looking at it through a third party. Yeah, that's the that's the beauty of starting a second company is you kind of learn. <laughs> yeah. You now, hey, you know that we should have done that maybe you know at the beginning and stuff like that helps you avoid other mistakes. Um. Okay. And then I guess um my my next question would be is um in terms of you know a lot of you know founders might be listening to this with companies and thinking this sounds awesome like maybe I should start doing due diligence on my own business and preparing it for sale. Um, What are maybe some tips you would give to a founder looking Mm -hmm. to sell their business on microwire? Yeah. I mean, I would say the biggest thing is to really focus in on how profitable you actually are. Uh, Make sure that you're really, really paying attention to those metrics and really paying attention to your finances, the way that you think you are before you're selling, but really when you go through diligence, it forces you to get really serious about it. Um, and we're all, we're, you know, my entire team were very like financially focused, making sure we kept track of the numbers and everything. But when we had to really lay out, this is what our profitability margin is. This is how much our labor costs. This is what all our ancillary costs are. This is our, you know, monthly kind of excess costs. Those things and kind of getting prepared to look at those. Um, that was something that we really had to swallow in the beginning because we were kind of just thinking, oh, this is about where our profit margin is. But until you really set aside those numbers, um, that was something that we should have done sooner. It would have benefited us when we were selling so we could have sold for a higher price, probably if we had paid attention to that earlier. And that makes me sound like we weren't paying attention to our finances because that's just not true. Uh, But it just means you have to be stricter with yourself. So that's something that we had to take for account then. But also, obviously, staying organized. It's a lot of work to pull out paperwork from three years ago, five years ago, financial documents from every credit card, 
every bank yeah. statement. It's a lot of work. Yeah. So if you don't have some accountant like keeping track of this diligently, I mean, the amount of work, coding every expense, making sure that it falls under the right category, it's just a tremendous workload if you don't do it from the beginning. Yeah, we we write a lot about um due diligence. So if anyone listening is just curious about what is due diligence, what questions are commonly asked? Um, I don't know if you ever checked out the resources that we provide, but um, yeah. uh, for anyone listening, check that out because there's it, it can be overwhelming, but once you kind of grasp it, um, it, it gets a lot easier. And it sounds like you did a fantastic job. Um, I'll tell you a, a funny story about um, when I sold my, my first company, I had to go through, so it was an eight-year company. So mm-hmm. they I needed to hand over every NDA I had ever signed, every basically everything. Um, and uh, the the funniest part during due diligence was I had an NDA signed with the buyer, it was a private equity group from maybe six years ago, and I had to give it to them like, "Hey, we've met before. Uh, maybe we can make something happen this time around. I don't know." Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm basically, things out of everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, just keeping a folder available with everything and just keeping, you know, good house cleaning for your company is is, is something I, I always recommend. Um, but I, I got a hunch you're working on something new and I wanna I wanna hear it. What is it? <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> yeah, we and again, hindsight's 2020, and that's kind of what I love about, you know, being able to sell the first business and work on another one because you kind of get to take the learnings with you. But yeah, working on a new company in the same industry. I can stay in this industry forever, I will. Um, but we're working on a freelancer marketplace that allows you to not just outsource, you know, itineraries, but actually outsource any co- sort of concierge details when you're travel planning. So now we're not doing itineraries, but all of the travel planning process instead. So uh, being able to provide freelancers in the marketplace is kind of where we're leading into now. Nice. I uh, I love marketplaces. <laughs> I will say um, didn't really know we were building a marketplace when we started but we kind of ended up growing one and you definitely learn a lot even in that type of business like you know our first one was more service-based but because this one's tech it's just a whole other animal <laughs> nice so how would it work let's say I wanted to go to uh croatia uh mm-hmm. would i be, able, be to able yeah you'd be able to go onto our platform hire someone with either that expertise or something that you might like about their experience their ratings etc and you can basically use them to do anything from dinner reservations searching hotels getting advice on transportation literally anything you want oh man i'll i'm gonna I'm, <laughs> sorry what's the name of the company again it's called lucia lucia okay i'll put it in the show notes because i'm the type of person when i play in i just book the flight and figure it out from there yeah but which is totally fine but you might want a little bit of help sometimes from i do i do yes. i'm just I, yeah. number one i don't know how i don't know <laughs> i don't know anyone in croatia at the moment to, we do. We'll help you out. <laughs> yeah. See that I I really like that that concept. I I think I grasped it. Yeah. Um, and then um, I guess uh, for final questions, I'm I'm gonna throw some some random ones at you. Is that is that okay? Get me with it. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> All right. So uh, these ones are just off the top of my head. But if you could take any trip, and let's say it's a two stop destination, so you go to one place and then you immediately mm-hmm. go to the next place, uh, what would it be? And if you could bring one person, who would it be? Mm. That's on the layover. Particular, that's a very. I thought you were going a very different angle with that, uh, with that question. <laughs> who would I bring? Oh, it would have to be. 
it would have to be my co-founder. Is that cheesy to say? She's super entertaining and we spend every day together already. So we just kind of, we keep each other entertained on flights all the time. So I definitely have to say her. (laughs) Nice. Okay. And then the the two locations, where would you go? Like, would it be like a Vegas to New York trip or would it be like a Italy to Greece trip or yeah I just got back from a week-long conference in Vegas so I'm gonna say no Vegas for me <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm good I'm, with I'm, Vegas I'm, for a while yeah I'm in the no Vegas <laughs> I'm, too. Yep. I'm good and it was for work too um I'd say right now I'm gonna choose two places I haven't been to because I always try to go to new places I definitely want to try Dubai that's always somewhere I've really wanted to go and New Zealand those are not near each other but uh I think I can pull off the long flight <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I've actually always wanted to go. I talked to someone uh, recently that told me a story about um, basically how there's all these really, really high end luxury cars just stuck in Dubai. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. always I always assumed it was because people were wealthy and they would just leave them. Mm-hmm. But it was actually because uh, I guess during the 08 financial crash, they couldn't pay off the cars. So they would just <laughs> leave the country and then they wouldn't have to they wouldn't have a car or have to pay for it, I guess, or something like that. So yeah, ironically, like, we need. Yeah, ironically now we need like a ton of rental cars in like Hawaii so if we can get them <laughs> over to Hawaii somehow yeah, I can't find a tour company anywhere yeah <laughs> yeah uh second question um if you were stuck on an island and you could only bring one book and one item what, what would those two things be oh man I mean my <laughs> favorite book is how to win friends and influence people but if I'm alone on an island I don't know if that's really gonna help me so <laughs> I'd have to say um oh man I really love Ariana Huffington Thrive so that one would probably be top book for me um and then item to bring with me uh, again I'm a reader so I'll just bring the Kindle I'll bring the rest of the books <laughs> nice good answer um and then in terms of you know I I started my um career in entrepreneurship in college so I I, I admire your um you getting into entrepreneurship early because that's in my opinion the best time to do it um do you have any advice you'd give for you know student entrepreneurs um just go for it um yeah I would say um yes go for it with an asterisk I definitely <laughs> agree with you yeah right that's like I the definitely... hardest part to start <laughs> I agree with you that it's the best time to start a business without a doubt, because you have no responsibilities for the most part, if you're lucky enough to not have to worry about, you know, working yet full time, or maybe that is your way to work full time. Um, For me, I did need to. So that was kind of my way to do it. Um, But also, and it'll force you to be profitable from day one, that kind of stuff. But the asterisk I would say is it's really easy in the beginning to think in college, like you're right by this amazing idea you came up with, like you must be right. And I just didn't have like the world knowledge yet to know if I was right or wrong. So I'd say just do your due diligence. Of course, when you're starting a new company, you know, you want to do the research and make sure it's something people need and you have product market fit. But um, if you're going to invest your own capital and a ton of your own time, I would definitely say just make sure you know you know, that you can find a profitable business in there somewhere. I love that. Uh, the tip I would give, which I don't recommend, but what I did was um, <laughs> I, I took a fifth year in college mm-hmm. so I can get uh, financial aid to pay for my rent and uh, food. Yeah. And then I minored in entrepreneurship, didn't mm-hmm. go to any classes and started a business. Ed. Can um, I tell you, I might have done something very similar recently when I went back yeah. and got my MBA. Yeah, <laughs> I literally went back to get my MBA because I thought I'm starting a new company. I loved starting a company in college it provides so much 
so many resources and so much protection from like the real world. No one really expects anything of you yet, but you also have like these brilliant professors around you that can give you feedback and a ton of like free help, et cetera. I mean, I could go on about the resources that I got there. You just have to take advantage of them. So I low-key did that over the last year. Uh, and grew the company while getting my MBA <laughs> for that, that reason. That's so smart. I, I was the worst it. student, but. <laughs> I, I was too. My entrepreneurship teacher, I would kind of joke with him. I, I came into class candidly like, hey, I, I'm starting this company. And that's the only reason why I'm in this. I'm going to stop in. And sometimes yeah. I'd show up for five minutes. I'd be like, well, as you know, I'm still alive. I'm going to yep. go work on something. And he was really supportive. Um, and we had a really good entrepreneurship program. Um, I could candidly say I don't think I'd be where I am today without the sport. Uh, I went to Chico State. It wasn't, mm-hmm. um, we call it the Harvard of the West, but sorry for another time. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, it's true though. Like no matter what you kind of get out of it, you kind of, seems like you leaned into it and got what you needed, you know? So whatever works for you, I guess. I mean, I did the same thing. I went up to all my entrepreneurship professors day one and my finance and my accounting and all my other professors. And I was like, I gotta be honest with you. I'm running a business full time right now. I'll be here every once in a while. And I'm sorry for all my professors who might like find this and hear this. I'm really <laughs> sorry. But, you know, I would show up and say, I'm, I'm really busy. I'm going to have to step out for calls. I'm going to have to miss some days. Please don't fail me. But like, I know I'm not getting an A. If there's any way I can help you, let me know. But that's just kind of my reality right now. And it, they were great about it. They should, probably shouldn't have been, but like, they're awesome. That's awesome. Well, yeah. congrats <laughs> to you and congrats on everything. Um, thanks so much for for joining me on this podcast. If people um, want to just learn more about your new company or um, follow you online, where can uh, they find you? Yeah, of course. Um, you can find me, of course, in my email and, you know, happy to share it. But my website is uh, letslucia.com. You can find me there or email me as well. Just grace at letslucia.com. Sounds good. I'll put that in the show notes. All right, Grace, this has been a pleasure. And uh, um, congrats on all your success you. and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how far your next thing goes. Thank you. And thanks for helping make it happen. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. No, it's all you. All right, see you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the SaaS Acquisition Stories podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure to like and follow on your preferred channel. And if you know a friend or colleague that would benefit from hearing this conversation, please share it with them. For more information on MicroAcquire and how we can help you start conversations that lead to an acquisition in just 30 days, check us out at microacquire.com. We'll see you next time.